Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Rafael Nadal has 12 French Open titles to his name. Just saying that out loud seems preposterous, but that is the situation. He's beaten Dominic Thiem in the men's singles final at Roland Garros in four sets, the first two of which were just incredible sets of tennis. Myself, David Law, joined by Catherine Whittaker in Paris. Hello, Catherine. Hello, David. And uh, by Matt Roberts, who is not in Paris, but is here on the Tennis Podcast and has has been coming up with stats that are sort of Rafael Nadal-esque in their their brilliance uh, over the course of the last few hours. How are you doing, Matt? Very well. Slightly concerned how we're going to find the words to do this justice, really. Yeah, actually, uh, Chris Bradnam on Eurosport said, I think we're going to have to find a new word, invent a new word to describe Rafael Nadal's achievements, which I I think is quite a good point. It reminds me of, Catherine, years ago you said that trying to think of a better tennis player in terms of the way he goes about it than Roger Federer is like trying to find and invent a new colour. And uh, and we're at that stage, aren't we? Because... As I say, saying it out loud, what Nadal is achieving right now, he, he's rewriting record books and he's rewriting kind of our understanding of what makes sense in professional sport. Yeah, I mean, I I, they, uh, I asked Alex Correcha, a native Spaniard, of course, and former French Open finalist on air just sort of an hour or so ago, what is the word for if if... 10 is la decima and 11 is la onzima what is 12 and uh, he didn't really, he didn't really know he said something la, la duo decima does that sound like a yeah, thing yeah that's it right okay it's not as catchy is it i feel like no we all need to work on that a bit or maybe spain in general needs to work on that um <laughs> yeah I, there are, there are no words and yet our job here is to come up with with words i i i know you should never say never um in sport or perhaps indeed in life but it's never going to be done again maybe you should temper that by saying in my lifetime which i hope is relatively long from here <laughs> um it's never it's never going to be done again it's just not is it it's not can't, can't imagine it. I mean, no. if you consider that a tennis player 
if we're talking about long careers, Roger Federer has managed just over 20, imagining about, managing about 20 years as a tennis pro. Nadal has been a pro for 14 years. He's won the French Open 12 times in four, in like 14 years. <laughs> well, what? That's, that's ridiculous. There's only one of them a year. Um, but he, I mean, the, the match itself was was a cracker for two sets basically wasn't it and and the the first set i think a few people were saying that the first six games of that opening set were were quite possibly six the the best first six games of a singles final in a grand slam that anybody could remember now i think it's one of those where there's always a bit of recency bias in that isn't there it's happening in front of you you can't believe what you're seeing you you're you're saying well this can this has never happened before but the way they were just sort of duking it out, Matt, it kind of felt like that to me. What, what about you? Yeah, well, teams level through those first six or seven games was extraordinary. It came out just pulverizing the ball. And yet he wasn't managing to get ahead, which just showed how well Nadal was playing as well. And it just felt like whenever team raised his level, he did manage to get a break. Nadal just raised his even higher and I think in the match he he broke Nadal twice and Nadal broke back straight away both times and it was just an extraordinary performance from Nadal and I felt for team because he is closing the gap he is a better player than than he was last year and yet okay he got a set but and he is getting closer but the the gap is still so enormous for him to breach yeah yeah no it it is still still enormous it is less enormous don't you think than it was last year yes but it's it's, does it matter if it's still enormous and because Nadal I think in these last three years he won a hat-trick of these Roland Garros titles now and I think he's playing some of his best tennis in these last three years he's a more complete player than he used to be his backhand's better. He's better at the net. I think I just saw teams said Nadal hasn't missed a volley for seven years. <laughs> and there's so much to his game now, Nadal, that even if you find a way to beat him for two or three games, he changes it up. And he his unrelenting brilliance is, is what makes him so dominant on the that, clay. That's the thing. The fact that he keeps on coming at you and mm. you can't, you may be able to find level 11 versus his level 10, even though 11 doesn't exist. You may be able to find that sort of absurdity of, of, of shot making for, for a, a bunch of games and, and do what team did and actually win a set. But then he lost the next two 6-1-6-1. Six, one, six, one. So that, that's, that's what you're up against with Rafael Nadal. What was that set, by the way, that stat, by the way, Matt, uh, about the number of times he gets broken and then breaks straight back. Yeah, apparently he does it more than anyone else. I think Jim Courier said on the ITV commentary that he that he breaks 39% of the time in the game immediately following the one where he's just been broken. Uh, just it, Which just shows how he's able to put things behind him and never just just never shrink and never be beaten the ultimate mental resilience isn't it the ultimate Mm. mental resilience i mean everything we discussed in uh our rafael nadal special which we released a couple of weeks ago uh, is borne out by that statistic and borne out by the pattern and and the narrative of 
of the match today. It, it, I mean, I really think had that been a best of three match, Dominic Team is a good enough tennis player to maybe have won it. But he's he's not a good enough mentally. Nobody in the world is even close to good enough mentally to be able to redline your game um, for best of five sets, which is what you know you have to do against Rafa Nadal. Nobody can do it, and you know that he's not going to have a mental dip at any moment. I just, yeah, I, I really think had it been best of three, it would have been perhaps not quite 50-50, but 55-45 in the third set. Is that because of the, the nearer finish line, Catherine? Are you, it, because, I mean, if you look at the stats themselves, he lost the third set 6-1. Yeah, but, but that was because, because it puts a completely different mental complexion on a match. Dominic Team gets to the end of that second set, and perhaps not consciously at the forefront of his mind, but his being knows that he has had to absolutely purple patch it, redline it, do just completely push himself to 100% and beyond to win that set and he's thinking well not thinking not even thinking it's just a, it's just a a knowing that it's basically impossible to do that for another for another two sets beyond it i th- i think mentally the the complexion that puts on a, a match is completely different if it's a best of 3 match it's just different He'd have had the, the finish line at least, right, it's one set, shoot out, give everything, don't hold anything back, you, and perhaps that might have made a difference is what you're saying. Of course, of course it makes a difference. Of course it does. We're playing mm. Rafael Nadal knowing that he's not going to drop or have a moment of loss of focus for the whole of best of five sets for six hours if necessary. Just the, the panic that that must place in your I mean I would panic knowing oh my oh my goodness I just can't afford to do anything I can't afford to just just let up even for a moment I'm watching I'm in the hotel bar at the moment and a replay of that double fist pump he did at the start of the third set has just come on and that must just feel like oh my god I'm I'm playing the best I possibly can play and it's just enough to scrape me a set I mean it's brutal and it's and it and the actual physical challenge of it as well, because team was saying before, okay, I've played these matches in the in the last three days, but I'll be fine physically. But I think, I think even though he's played Nadal before, he perhaps underestimated the physical challenge of winning three sets against Nadal on that clay court, because I think he did hit the wall a bit physically in those third and fourth sets, and just. The, the amount of effort that Nadal takes out of you, I think, just to be able to win a set and just just to be able to win points against him is ridiculous. I remember thinking that when he played uh, Dumanor at the Australian Open on, on a hard court, I thought, how is Dumanor going to keep this up? It's a struggle to win points. Now, team has got firepower that Dumanor hasn't, but put it on a clay court and that gets a bit neutralised. And he just... I just don't see how anyone, if Nadal is physically at his best, can live with Nadal over five sets on clay. No, no. I, I, no. I mean, the the only little question mark in my mind is if if you'd got still conditions and and a, f- a fresh Djokovic that maybe he could have done, but he didn't even get there. So, um, and actually, I, I, the way Nadal played today, I mean, I, I really don't. I don't see how anybody could have beaten him. And and the, the line you say about the the fatigue, the 
that that's something that Brad Gilbert is always talking about in terms of when Andre Agassi was at his best, that he would try to just take his opponent's legs away and it would look really, really close. And that's the thing, at, at three games all, and when team had got the, the early break, you're, you're thinking that this is how it's going to be. That's how it looks. You can't see a situation whereby one player ends up winning two sets for the loss of two games. But... Mm. He's a different player in sets three and four, Dominic team, and it's because okay, yes, he has had a, a day less to recover. We, we all talk about that in a second, but the other guy down the other end is playing a, a sport that he knows he can continue, basically the same in set five as he is in set one, and no one else is able to do that. No, I mean the, the, it's. I really think forehands and backhands wise, team is only a. A fraction off from Nadal. I do, I do think Nadal is is better, but but it's it's marginal. It's really marginal uh, on that surface. I do think just in terms of the sheer shot making and even tactical now, really, I think team is there. It's the mental relentlessness. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like. I mean, sometimes I suppose different people's minds work in different ways, but. It, some, sometimes when I say I'm in a I'm in a plank at the gym and the, my trainer is there, sometimes she'll tell me that I've only got ten seconds left when actually I've got thirty seconds left because she knows that mentally I'll be able to keep it up longer if I know that the the finish line is a little bit closer. It's almost like someone needed to tell Dominic team it's a best of it's a best of three match. You only need to keep it up for another another set and then he could have regrouped after that set do you, do you see what i mean am i yeah no it makes total no, sense i do yeah it's, a, it's all a mental battle i think you kind of have to trick yourself into thinking yeah. you can do it because if you look at the challenge logically and as it is you've got no chance yeah absolutely yeah logically you've got no chance so you've got to create some kind of alternate reality and if if Dominic Team hasn't got a chance who, uh, with his firepower, who has? That's that's the thing. I mean, nobody right now. Nobody on clay. I mean, the good news for everyone else is that the clay court season's over. Yeah, and and that's it, isn't it? Because it's so easy to be a bit blasé about Nadal's achievements on clay. I think we spoke about this on our special, but I think and sort of take it for granted. But I think this season more than any has made you realise how special of an achievement it is because we saw the human Nadal we saw the Nadal who wasn't at his best in Monte Carlo in Madrid and in Barcelona where he did lose and yet he comes to Roland Garros and he's won again and it feels like it feels everything feels normal again but it's taken a huge amount of work and building to get for Nadal to get where he is. I, I completely agree with you, Matt, and I think that's a really significant point because there have been years in among these these 12 when Nadal has won this title when it's felt inevitable. It's felt inevitable mm. right from the first ball struck in Monte Carlo. And it's almost... <laughs> it is, you almost sort of greet it with a bit of a, a shrug, which is completely unfair, but such is, you know, our responses to things sometimes you know we want drama we want spectacle we want we want um the unexpected um and there have been seasons in in the 12 when Nadal has ended up winning Roland Garros where there has been nothing unexpected about it from the word go this has been one of the most interesting journeys to 
a Roland Garros title that I can remember for Rafael Nadal. Mm. The the uh, the set that team won seven five. I mean, I thought he did incredibly well to just keep sticking with Nadal because it's not like Nadal's level dropped in that second set. Really, you mentioned while it was going on, Catherine, that he was missing quite a lot of overheads, but the rest of his game was just in pristine condition. How did team manage to win that set, Matt? What was your what was your sense? Well, my take on it was actually it was it was quite opportunistic because. He'd barely won a point on Nadal's serve throughout the whole set. And he just, he had that scoreboard lead because he'd served first. He got to 6-5. And then I think, I think almost maybe he did sort of change his mentality a bit and think, right, I've got, I've got one shot here before we go to a tie break. And he managed to grab four points on Nadal's serve and just sort of grab the set. But I don't think him winning the set was an indication of... I've got Nadal now. It was kind of just one game where he really took it from Nadal. I, I, I didn't get the sense that he was suddenly the more superior player in the match with all the momentum going into the third. No, when they got to once at all, that 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 was the the moment, wasn't it, where you just thought, right, okay. And Nadal actually went off the court. He he wetted his hair. He came out and he looked like he'd just gone through the car wash and <laughs> come out a, a new model you know and uh I, I thought some of the most inspirational tennis that i've seen in such a long time it's kind of like the australian open but on the dow's turf you know this was his statement um and so there he stands with 12 french open titles how many more of these things realistically do we think he can win <laughs> because you know what is he is he 33 now he's 33 isn't he yeah I mean, he doesn't. Uh, the body is a question mark, but he never looks okay. He's had the wrist problem, etc. But I don't get overly concerned about him when he gets onto clay. Normally, it's as though the body is able to adapt to that, provided he's gone into it in just semi-decent fitness, uh, and he kind of worked his way into it this time. Thirty-three years of our age, he's on twelve now. How many is he going to get? <sighs> That is so difficult, David, because you know it's all about his body. If his body allows him at least to, but the body is such a big question mark and there is, there's no possible way we are not in a position to predict what his body will do over the next couple of years. We know he has uh, tendonitis in his knee, which is not a curable condition. It's a condition that you manage and it... It has flare-ups, um, and clay is the kindest surface to a condition like that. So if the body allows at least two. Yeah, I, I could imagine him getting to 15. <laughs> Good God. Come on. Can, 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 you has, can you imagine if he has more Roland Garros titles than Pete Sampras has Grand Slams? <laughs> uh, I mean, he's two behind. He's uh, two behind. Do you think Pete Sampras will show up for that? Yeah, it's just <laughs> bizarre. Um, Matt, the uh, the other thing that you, you mentioned as well is that he's now closer to Federer in Grand Slam Hall than he's ever been. Yeah, he's he's moved to within two for the first time. Federer obviously on 20, Nadal now on 18. And it's just, just well, first thing, it goes to show how significant that 2017... Australian Open final was. Doesn't when, it? You know, if that, yeah. If that had gone the other way, they would have been tied now if everything else had played out. But I know you obviously can't think of it like that. And it just, for me, 
they just keep pushing each other, these guys. I just think as soon as one starts pulling away, the other one just comes back. And I just think as long as they're around, and Djokovic as well, they're going to keep doing that. It's it's absurd to try and predict because they're just going to keep moving the posts. Mm. And yet that's not going to stop us because that's, <laughs> that's basically what we do here on the Tennis Podcast. I had my moment in the sun yesterday. <laughs> Catherine, I think you need to take a little bow right now after your splendid fortnight in which you've obliterated Matt and I in the predictions. Yeah, nine out of 15. Nine oh days. Gosh, she's, got, she's got her own stats, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's unheard of. Um, you know, I, it, just on that point, I think it's, I really think it's a problem. Sit to pass aside, because I think he's just so wonderfully different um, mentally. And thank goodness for him, by the way. But it's a real problem for the youngsters, for this next gen that have been so bigged up and do have the goods, I think, in terms of actual tennis. But mentally, I just think how brilliant and how relentless and how committed and full of desire the big three still are is extremely problematic there is such an enormous gulf still and I think it's not just the fact of the gulf I think the perception of the gulf for those lot is I think it just can you see any of as I say sit to pass aside can you see any of the much touted next gen getting anywhere near the 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 relentless brilliance of those three at at grand slam level honestly no and i think that uh, certainly not at the moment and i think it really feels quite jolting to see how far away zverev was from from djokovic the other day when you consider what he did to him at the atp finals and just a reminder of how different it is and david something you pointed out to me how accepting he was of that golf after the match he said well Djokovic is world number one for a reason and of course yes he's right but you I think you texted me and said look Sitsipas would never have said that and that is what sets Sitsipas apart thank goodness but the rest of them I think they look at those three and they think my goodness me they're amazing they love them they respect them but they don't really think they can ever be anything like them I don't think I think Sitsipas sees them and thinks yeah, I can be like you. I don't care how brilliant you are. I can be like you. I think the others think, wow, you know, I'd li- I'd like to be really good and I'd like to be number one. I'd like to win Grand Slams, but I'm not ever going to be that. Mm, no. Oh dear. It's uh, actually just just one other quick point. I think you said, Catherine, that that you think that they've got the goods that there is they have the tennis talent I, I i question that i think that that is not i'm not saying they have the tennis talent of roger federer david i'm saying these guys are good they are good but i think it's important to look at those three and re- realize just how good they are at the tennis as well as the mental side of it it's not just federer look at the volleys nadal was hitting today i mean the, their talent is i think we take that a little bit for granted as well. I th- I just their games are so complete. These three, there are no holes at all. Okay, uh, Nadal's game works better, obviously, on clay. Djokovic's works better on hard court. But they're incredible players, and they because they've added to their games over the years. I, I feel I kind of look at the, those two particularly and think, yes, back when the next gen, when they were that age they might have been a similar sort of level. 
but they've created something else. They've created other layers to their games, and I'm not sure whether we're going to see that from these young lads. Um, time will tell. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I agree. I just think it can be easy to feel frustrated by the next gen, if you like, and the fact that they're not coming through. But my take on it is that these three are just simply too good and it must be so almost soul destroying for them knowing that these three are still around and still winning everything and i i in a sort of weighing up how how much i think it's to do with the next gen not not being good enough and the big three being too good i would lean heavily towards the big three being too good because it's never happened before and what they're doing is is completely unique and I think the ideal situation is that a Sitsipas and Auger Aliasim, these guys come through and usurp them but um, it just makes me think that we're not going to have that as long as these guys are still playing they will be the guys to beat. They'll need to mm. wait for them to make way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do, I do, I think what I'm getting at is that the point you made about 
David, I think it was you that made it about they just keep pushing one another to get better. Every time one of them nudges ahead and does something that you're not expecting them to do or wins a Sam, another one of them comes back. They each are nudging one another along. Mm. You sort of want the next gen to be nudged in the same way. You want them to go, well, hang on a second. You're not pulling away from me again. I'm going to, I'm going to prove that I'm the next. And I feel like actually what's happening is they're, they're sort of seeing that and being a bit defeated by it, really. They're, they're not being... Yeah, they're exactly. They're in awe. They're going, well, that's going on and it's brilliant and I'll never get any anywhere close to it. So I'll just bide my time and wait for them to go away and then step into the spotlight once they're gone. But I do think within their own little group, they've kind of helped each other along. You know, Shapovalov had his breakthrough, then Zverev came along, now we've got Sitsapas. They're kind of pushing each other. Yeah, but it's such small fry. <laughs> I know. When you look at what we've seen today. Um, yeah, I, do, I mean, I do. in terms of what you were saying about how complete a player Nadal is, that's a really good mm. point. And I do wonder whether the only, the only area... Um, that Nadal lacks I, uh, excuse me there's no area that Nadal lacks the only area that the team lacks I think is the hands and, and the skills up at the net and I do wonder since teaming up with um, Nicholas Massou team's already added a huge amount of variety to his game we've talked about the slice backhand he's been playing a lot more doubles he's been playing doubles with Diego Schwartzman which is one of my, my favourite bizarre doubles pairings and I do wonder whether we'll see more of that and whether that's something that team is looking at in those three and thinking you know I don't want to have any incomplete areas in my game and I hope I hope that is something we see more of and on team as well just as much as obviously clay is his best surface he's been having better results on hardcore and it does make me think that the US Open this year I think he's got a real shot there because the gap between him and Nadal on clay is big, but on a hard court, he really pushed Nadal last year and adding in these little subtleties and variety that he has added this year, as you said, with Masu, I think he could be a real force at the US Open and maybe it's not a guarantee that he will ever win Roland Garros, certainly when Nadal's around, but given, I think team is the one who's made him real improvements to his game and they could pay off for him on hardcore he also Catherine really won a few people over I mean I think he's been gradually doing that for a while frankly because he's he's a quiet lad isn't he Dominic team I think he people have sort of tried to work out well how do you get to know Dominic team how do you get to care about him but his his sort of authenticity came through in his post-match speech on court and it was it was quite moving, but not in a dramatic way. He's no, he's no actor, but he just let you in, and it, it was it was quite moving. I thought. Yeah, I mean, there were so many comparisons to Andy Murray, both situational that 2012. Uh final that Andy Murray lost to, to Roger Federer that was the first time he'd won a set in uh, in a Grand Slam final he'd lost three previously in straight sets and that was the um, the trembling lip getting closer moment um, when he took the mic from Sue Barker and said I'm going to try this and it's not going to be easy um, <laughs> and there were so many so many it really felt reminiscent of that today I know I sort of foreshadowed it yesterday so maybe it was a sort of self-fulfilling thing that I already had that in the back of my mind but ex- exactly what you say that just 
the authenticity of it, the just sort of down-to-earth, nice guy, <laughs> no bells and whistles authenticity of his of his speech, letting you in, letting you know how he's feeling, but not overplaying it, not trying to win sympathy, um, was so endearing, so, so endearing. Um, and I'm so pleased at the warmth he received from the crowd. I'm also pleased that the crowd wasn't overly overwhelmingly in favour of Dominic Team because yes there is as we've talked about a lot of Nadal fatigue at Roland Garros amongst the crowd and I compl- to be honest I do completely understand that <laughs> I really do but equally he doesn't deserve to have the crowd against him and I thought it was a really nice balance um, in those terms today felt like they just all wanted a great match out in Chatrier today and that was wonderful um, and the warmth of Dominic Team was, was quite moving actually really moving I was quite moved by his by his speech, the way he finished it and just sort of said, Rafi, you're so great, or something like that, was just, it was all just. And I'll try again next year. Try, I'll try again next <laughs> I'll year. I'll go. Oh, yeah. Dear. He needs an Olympics in, uh, in Austria, doesn't he? That's what he needs. That's what, that's what got Andy Murray over the line. I don't think the Olympics is going to Austria anytime soon. <laughs> I no, don't think that's no, pro- on the cards. Probably not. So big congratulations to Rafael Nadal, a 12th French Open crown. And uh, and now he goes and has a go on the grass. I mean, I, I, I suspect he won't play anything before Wimbledon. I think he'll probably just rest up. Um, How do you, how'd you like his chances? Matt, you first. Well, he's in the mix. Hey! <laughs> Pat Cash told you. us he was in the mix on, on, uh, on Eurosport's coverage. He's obviously... The mix is spreading, people. Pat has heard about the mix. <laughs> and he did well last year, didn't he, at Wimbledon, having not played a, a warm-up. Mm. And I, I just think it's all about his fitness, isn't it? Because if, he's, if, he's, if his body's there, his tennis is there, OK, he's not going to be the same force on grass ever that he is on clay but you wouldn't want to he's still very much one of the favourites but I would put him probably behind certainly Djokovic and probably Federer Yeah I mean you've created a, a get out of jail free card for pundits everywhere with the mix Matt <laughs> so you've, you've created a horrible horrible monster there Do you, do you, do you think Nadal's going to win Wimbledon? Well he's, he's, in, he's in the mix Yeah <laughs> Breaking news, the world number two is in the mix to win a Grand Slam, yeah. Well, I mean, I find Nadal's Wimbledon record over the past few years strange, really, because last year aside, when he so very much could have been in the final, but for maybe the roof situation on the resumption of of that match against Djokovic in the semi-finals. I find his Wimbledon record a bit odd because until last year, he'd had a few really, really duff years and I've always thought that that was a bit of an anomaly, really, because after he wins the French Open, I always think, yeah, he's going to show up on the grass and, you know, the grass is quite kind to his knees as well. Um, Why wouldn't he carry that momentum and confidence and everything through um, as he did, you know, 2008, etc.? But... He hasn't done that the last few years, but logic still tells me he might. Um, so yeah, in the mix. In conclusion, <laughs> he's in the mix. And I think, okay. and, I, and I think he needs. I think at Wimbledon, his draw is more important because the people that have beaten him have been the sort of players yeah. who've taken the racket out of his hand. Like I think was it Gilles Muller just serving out of his mind? Kyrgios, Dustin, Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown, yeah. If Russell, if he gets one of those. 
he's in trouble. But if he gets kind of, I don't know, baseline grinders, I suppose, he'll, he'll go far. Is Kyrgios going to be seeded at Wimbledon? Yes, he is, isn't he? Just somewhere between 20 sure. and 30. Um, I've don't not know. thought about Nick Kyrgios for a while. <laughs> no. Uh, right now, what else has happened today uh, in Roland Garros, Matt? There's been uh, there have been other finals. Bring us up to date. Yeah, we were halfway to the Kiki Mladenovic Dominic team double because Kiki Mladenovic partnered Timea Babos and won the women's doubles over a Chinese pairing, Duan Ying Ying and Zheng Sai Sai, who had never played before before this tournament. They'd never played together before, and yet they got to the final. And yeah, is this a is this a segue to quickly mention Gem's life? Go for it. Hope so, Matt. Certainly hope so. Well, we had some bad news, didn't we, about Gem's <laughs> life? They appear to be no more. Yeah. Whereas yeah. whereas Kiki Mladenovic and Dominic Team are. Yeah, but Gail Monfils and Delina Svitolina, who had created this joint Instagram page, do appear, folks, to have uh, deleted that page and, according to reports, unfollowed each other on social yeah. media, which apparently is the, the, uh, the, the new age dumping. Yeah. Yeah, they've deleted all evidence of ever having been together. Look, I, I was all on board with Gem's life. I thought they were good together. I thought they were having a good impact on one another's tennis. I think... You know, they jumped into a joint Instagram account too quickly, I think. Mm. I think in the first year of a relationship, don't do it. I mean, frankly, ever. Don't do it ever. <laughs> yeah, I think unfollowing on social media is the new cutting cutting people's heads out of pictures, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, we used to. No, I mean, we we used to do things like that. Uh, so, okay, what what are the finals that we had that we can probably relate to somebody's we relationship? We had well, the girls' singles final yesterday was won by Leila Fernandez, who is from the country to be from at the moment in tennis, Canada. She she only oh, lost wow. eighteen games in the whole tournament across five matches. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So add her God. to the list of promising Canadians. Is she is she in the mix for Wimbledon, Matt? <laughs> Which mix is she in? And then the boys singles was won by a guy called Holger Rune of Denmark, and he is from the Muratoglu Academy. That's a sensational name. I suspect I suspect Patrick will will remind us all of that frequently in the coming yeah, weeks. Yeah, he's uh, he's Danish, and there's been a lot of winners of slams from the Moratoglu Junior Slams from the Moratoglu Academy recently. So he's another one. Well, they're all there, aren't they? Oh well, yeah, <laughs> every last one. And then the Dutch. The Dutch seem to be very good at wheelchair tennis, and the top seed yes. De Groot beat second seed Kamiji six one six love in the women's. And then they had the doubles final against each other and De Groot won again. In the men's wheelchair singles, Gordon Reed lost to Gustavo Fernandez of Argentina. And in the quad wheelchair, Dylan Alcott beat David Wagner, not the uh, former Huddersfield manager. And then they teamed up together <laughs> to win the doubles. So that's a formidable force there. Just on the subject of... Uh... De Groot there, I believe that she has won four majors in a row and six of the last eight. Oh, wow. Which is 
extraordinary. Um, wow. Absolutely extraordinary. Big results. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, we're just before we go, Catherine, uh, when you before we started recording, you uh, you told us about where you were trying to record in the bar, <laughs> and um, and you, you you sort of heard yourself on the podcast before you even started recording the podcast. Tell us about it. I don't know how to explain what happened in the moments before recording this podcast. About sort of four metres away from me, two young-ish men are having a drink, and one of them's fiddling around on his phone, and then suddenly the voice of David Law and Catherine Mitiker and Matt Roberts uh, comes pumping out of it. Um, and then he sort of quickly fumbles around and, and puts it puts it on mute, um, and I sort of shot them a, shot them a look as if to say, "Oh, that's funny!" Like, you know, you've obviously spotted that Ted's podcast presenter Catherine Whitaker's in the house, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what was going on anyway. He didn't seem to have any recognition of who <laughs> I was, and then I subsequently had to, had to get my podcast equipment out. It was as it was as if I was sort of trying to say. Oh, don't you know who I am? Uh, and anyway, they've uh, they've got up and left now. But oh, right. <laughs> they had they were that, no they were that into those, it. those tennis podcast fans had no idea that they were um, in the midst of tennis podcast. Well, I don't know. Insert adjective here. Activity. Pre- presentership activity. Yeah. You're being bashful. I, I I happen to know that all they were trying to do was avoid spoilers. Because they wanted to hear the thing through properly through their headphones as per normal. Can I just tell you, just just reverting to an earlier completely irrelevant point that I started to make and backtracked on. Nick Kyrgios is currently ranked 36 in the world. So the whole of the t- men's tennis universe, David, is desperately hoping he does well at Queen's. Because nobody wants him to be unseeded at Wimbledon. Hmm. Yes, well, that's where he's going to be at the Fever Tree Championships in a, a week's time, uh, along with quite a few others. We're going to be there as well. Uh, we will be there, and we'll be bringing you daily tennis podcasts from Queen's. Stefano Sitsabas is going to be there, as Catherine said, Kyrgios. We've got uh, Auger Ali Asim. We've got uh, Marin Cilic defending the title. And uh, in the doubles now, we know that Andy Murray is going to be playing alongside Feliciano Lopez uh, in his comeback tournament so that's going to be fascinating uh, to see uh, just very quickly guys how have you enjoyed the french open overall matt you you did the first week and a bit uh, catherine you've been there for the whole thing catherine what have you thought of it oh well the the media restaurant food has been awful and <laughs> it's been so awful today they managed to end on a fittingly low point <laughs> of gray vegetables and rubbery cod and it felt so perfect um but tennis wise it's been brilliant tennis wise stories wise i mean organization wise it's been a disaster <laughs> i think but it's given us all something to talk about it's made it memorable um and i really think tennis wise It'll live with me for, for quite a long time. Better when Matt was there, wasn't it? It was a bit better when Matt was there, yeah. It, it's important when you are eating rubbery cod or um, uncooked cow for lunch that you can have someone to commiserate with <laughs> while you're doing we that. We had some miserable lunches together, didn't we, Catherine? Um... <laughs> it really was dire. Yeah, I, I echo everything Catherine said. It was it was better for me when Matt was there as well. Uh, but, yeah, and look, I think at every slam you always 
you always take something away from it. And I think there's been a lot to take away from this tournament tennis-wise. I mean, Ash Barty, Nadal, for me, just Naomi Osaka's little sort of the week she was in the tournament I found was fascinating and seeing her lose was quite shocking even though it was clay maybe we should have expected it and then the match sits a pass Wawrinka being being able to witness that is something that will definitely stay with me for a long time yeah same here and uh just to, to sign off for for me I, I just like to thank both Catherine and Matt for their for their work particularly when they were both over there it was it was fantastic to frankly for me just to be a listener I, I've never had that before with the tennis podcast we've been doing it for seven years uh, we've we've produced 530 odd shows then they went out to, to Paris together and they produced some of the best shows we've ever had and I was nowhere to be heard and that was absolutely fine by me because because I loved them going forwards folks I just want to say thanks to all those people who backed our Kickstarter which is what enabled Matt to go to, to Roland Garros just the same way as he went to the Australian Open at the start of the year it's enabled us to have him full time on our team, that's what we've been using all those funds that we raised at the, the end of last year and the start of this year in order to, to fund these trips and, and Matt to be a full time member of our team and he's absolutely fantastic as, as I'm sure many of you listening appreciate him just as much as we do, our goal next year is to have him at the French Open for the full duration, so when we get to the end of... The, uh, that's assuming you want to, Matt. Do you want to? Oh, absolutely. Okay, right. Well, that's our goal, <laughs> folks. Uh, end of this year, we'll be running our Kickstarter crowdfunding uh, venture once more and... We, we try to make it bigger and better every time obviously it means we're asking for more money each time but the goal is to try to build the audience to such a size that it doesn't cost each of you individually more you can put whatever you want in but if we've got more people to contribute we can raise more and then we can send matt and Catherine and myself to do more interviews and to to travel and to uh, go to the biggest tournaments and be together and, and be able to produce daily shows the way we have been doing so that that's what we're trying to achieve every single time we run those kickstarter crowding crowdfunding efforts and uh, and the same will apply at the end of this year inedible lamb chops await matt Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got another six days of awful food, Matt. That's the goal. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we might even let you do your laundry this time. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that has been the tennis podcast from Roland Garros for 2019, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and executive produced by tennisballs.com with our mascot Rio with a Y we will be back at Queen's a week from now with our preview of that tournament we'll be daily throughout there we'll be daily during Wimbledon Matt has got accreditation for the first time to represent us at Wimbledon as well so we'll be bringing you shows galore over the next few weeks we hope you have enjoyed the last couple of weeks if you have let people know I mean I say this every show but seriously I've, I've explained why we want to grow our audience. Of course we do. It's, it's, it's nice for us. And the more, the merrier. The more people can pitch in and help us to, to, to make this show even better. Uh, and do leave us a, a review on iTunes if you could or on Facebook or whatever your platform of choice is. It all helps to just spread the word. But thanks for your company. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.